welcome. I'm glad y'all are here. Welcome to Fellowship Asheville. Listen, if you're here today and you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, we've covered some interesting topics in the past couple of weeks, haven't we? Hell, divorce. Um, yeah, if you missed it, go back and listen. Great, great stuff. Today, we're not doing that, right? It'll still be, it'll still be um, uh, grace-filled. It'll still be freeing, I hope, like the last couple of weeks have been. Um, but here's what I have been praying today, that, that all of us, as we come into this place, all of us today would be refreshed and be renewed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, whether through singing or whether through the preaching of His Word or whether through you just tuning all of this out and taking a minute, finally, in your week to just be with Jesus and letting, letting the Holy Spirit speak to those deep places of your soul. Like, that's what uh, we've been praying for for you this week. And so with that, let me start off with this question. You ready? How are you? Right? Like, 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 how are you? Now, here's the deal. This question we get asked all the time. Like, you walk into Walmart, somebody's there, right? And, and if uh, they're not having a Walmart day, like, they'll ask you, how are you? Right? You, you, we all know what a Walmart day is, right? It's this common question, and, 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 and it gets asked in different ways. Like, it, you, I was spent a couple of, weeks, couple of weeks ago, I was in Texas, and it's, how y'all doing? Anytime you walk into a place. You know, it's like, what's up, bro? Like, everywhere you go, you get asked how you are doing. And so, with that, like, I don't know about you, but I have a canned response to that. If it's just a fly-by, how are you doing question. My canned response is, I'm well, how are you? Right? Like, what's your canned response when somebody does a flyby, how are you? Like, seriously, like, raise your hand. Like, I'd love to hear it. Like, what's your canned response? Good. Like that. Good, 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 good. Good, thanks. He's what? He's still vertical. Good, good, good. There's a guy that comes here, and he says, well, I'm six feet above ground, so I'm blessed. So... So that's, you know, like, like I get it. I had, a, I had a chaplain years ago, and his response was, if I was any better, I'd be twins, right? Like, I thought that was, I thought that was really fun. Well, well here's, the, here's the deal. Today, whatever those canned responses are to that question, I want to tell you those don't work today, right? Because we're going to dig a little bit deeper today. Jesus is hopefully going to dig a little bit deeper today, and I want you to kind of dig with him. And so let me rephrase the question a little bit to this. How are you doing spiritually? Right? Like, how are you doing spiritually these days? Now, students and kids that are in here, I know this may seem like a difficult question. I believe FSM, the middle school, has been doing a study on keeping in step with the Spirit and walking with the, with the Spirit. And so students, like, let me ask you, how's that going? All right? Like, how are you doing spiritually? Now, how would you describe your spiritual life these days? Like, here's what I want us to do. I want you to give that question some thought. How would you describe your spiritual life? And I want you to kind of nail it down to one word. I'm not going to ask you to share your word. But what is your one word that you would use to describe your spiritual life? Has everybody got a word? All right, now here's what we are going to do. I'm not going to ask you to share your word, but I'm going to ask you to do something uh, that, that I did when I was a school teacher to get a response. 
I'm going to ask you to give me a thumbs up, and I'll prompt you to give me a thumbs up if you're really satisfied with your word, and you think, yeah, I'm doing great, no room for improvement, right? Thumbs up. Give me a thumb sideways if you're like, meh, right? Like, it's okay, but yeah, there's room for improvement, but, 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 meh, right? And give me a thumbs down if you're really not happy with the word that came to your mind. Like, if you really came here today, or you're kind of entering a season where you're wanting Jesus to do something deeper in your life. So thumbs up, I'm 100%, thumb sideways, meh, thumbs down, help me, right? Okay, so when I count to three, show me your thumb where it goes, right? You know what I mean. Ready? Right? Ready? It didn't sound that way in my head, but when it came out of my mouth... It sounded very differently. It sounded different. All right, all right, ready? One, two, three, give me your thumbs up. They, okay, great, because when you put something like this in the sermon, you're like, this could be a complete flop, and like, we're done if everybody gives me a thumbs up. But most of us in this room are like, meh, like, okay, but could be better. Some were, no, I'm here because I need I need God, and I'm not even sure who God is. And, and there may even be some people at home who are watching this that kind of did the same thing, right? Well, here's, here's what I hope happens today. I believe that all of us need some refreshment, need some renewal. You know, as I was thinking about this sermon, I was like, man, like it still doesn't escape me that we went through a worldwide pandemic a couple of years ago. We're still going through the effects of it. Like, we don't know the effects that we are still suffering, and we won't know it for 10 years down the road, right? Because we are all still kind of going through it, and so that has a deep impact on us. And so I think all of us have this, this room and this space to be refreshed and renewed today, right? Because I think for a lot of us, there's a part of our spiritual life that just seems exhausting. Right? This is what Jesus is going to speak to today. This is the area where your, where your thumb was sideways or your thumb was down. This is where Jesus uh, can speak refreshment and can speak renewal to you today. I've been praying that he will. I know he's faithful, so let's see what he does. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 13 through 31. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it. If you don't, we're on the Bible app. Um, and so you can go to the Bible app. Like, that's what it's called. If you don't have it, it's called the Bible app. Uh, if you go to events, Fellowship Asheville is there, and it has the scriptures for today there. Um, or if you have a, another Bible on your phone, turn it on to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 31. As you're turning there, remember in the book of Mark, we see like three scenes happening in the book of Mark. One, the, the, the first chapters, the first set of chapters are dedicated to this question, who is Jesus? The next set of chapters is dedicated to this question of, okay, if Jesus is the Messiah, what does this mean? What if he really is the Messiah? What if he really is the Savior? And in the first part, you see Jesus talking to the crowds a lot. Right In the second part, you see him talking to his disciples and teaching them because he's showing them what the kingdom of God is versus the kingdom of man. And then in, this, in the last part, that we're not there yet, in the last part, you get to see what Jesus did. Right? And so if you, if you like things kind of simplified into, into words, like the, the first few chapters, the word would be wow. Right? You see Jesus do these crazy miracles and, and, and things that fulfill the Old Testament in ways nobody thought possible. They were waiting in some ways. 
The second section, if that was wow, the second section would be hmm. Hmm. That's what this means? Hmm. That's the section we're in now, the hmm section. The last section that we're going to see later on, the last section is oh my. Right? When we see what Jesus did. And so, if we let Jesus, if we let these scriptures change us, particularly these hmm sections of what the kingdom of God is, they'll change us. And Jesus delights in changing us to trust him more and to have more faith with him. And so if you'll let him and invite him in, I believe that he will change you. And he will challenge you and he will change you. And I believe that today could be the day that that happens. Well, let's look at verse 13. Verse 13 says this. Chapter 10, um, verse 13. Where am I? Oh, there I am. All right. And they were bringing children to him that, uh, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. Now, if this sounds familiar, it, it is. Right? It, it, it's happened before where, where people were bringing children to Jesus uh, and the disciples weren't quite on board with that because children were really of no value in that society. Right? They, they, they had nothing to offer society, um, uh, so they were of no value. And what the disciples were doing is they were trying to control like who could see Jesus and who couldn't. They were doing crowd control. And if you remember last week in Matt's sermon, he talked about control. Right? And he showed us how Jesus takes these areas of life that we like to control, particularly where the kingdom of man, those things we like to control, conflict with the kingdom of God. And he likes to flip those things around. And we saw this group of men men confront Jesus to try and get him to join them in controlling marriage and divorce. And we saw Jesus flip that up, flip that upside down and protect the vulnerable women that we're trying to be abused and controlled and trying to be neglected, that Jesus empowered them and protected them. Well, here we, we're going to see the same thing happen, this time not, with, not with, with women, but with children. And what's interesting is last week in Matt's sermon, it was those from outside trying to test Jesus, and now we see it's those inside. It's the disciples not testing Jesus, but just kind of still living in this kingdom that they're used to versus the kingdom of Jesus. Oh, somebody hit the play button on the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're with us, mom. You're with us. That's great. That's great. Love it. That's why I love having us, you know, like all of us together. That's just fun. All right, for us, horrifying for you, I'm sure, but fun, fun for us. All right, where am I? Um, well, listen, what do you think Jesus is, is going to do here? Right, what do you think Jesus is going to do with these disciples? Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says this. It says, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me, do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Remember, I said we're in this hum section, right? Where, where Jesus is telling them about the kingdom. And what Jesus is doing here is he's taking those that are excluded, right? Those that are excluded from coming to him by control in many ways. And he says, no, 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 let them come. Let them come to me. 
As a matter of fact, and then what Jesus does is it's not just let them come and, hey, sit next to you. Not, don't let them come. And, and, and it's, it's let them come because the kingdom of God belongs to those just like them. So not only does he say let them come, he, he kind of lifts them up. Now, if you were a disciple and saw Jesus do this and heard Jesus do this, you know what your response would be. Hmm. The, the kingdom of God belongs to them? I, I thought the kingdom of God belonged to us. Like, we're the ones that have been with you. Like, they just showed up. They, they don't have any value. You're saying the kingdom of God belongs to them. Hmm. Hmm. Tell me, tell me more about that. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them, the children, in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now, I've, I've heard this, this sermon, this text preached before, and where the, the point was, be like children, right? Come to Jesus, be, be full of wonder, be trusting, be vulnerable, be, be dependent. And that's all true, that's great. But let's not forget, right, that children are also demanding, self-centered argumentative. Parents, I don't need any amens right now, right? Short-tempered, right? Like, I wonder if Jesus's point is something different other than acting like a child when you come to Jesus. Because if it's not that, then what is he pointing out? Well, this is why we're going to put these two stories that Mark put together together, right? The the one about the, the child, the children coming to Jesus and what we're going to see next, the the, the guy who comes to Jesus, who we find out later is this rich guy. Because what Jesus is going to point out with these two stories is that there's something special that the kids do just by nature of being a kid, by nature of having no value in society, by nature of being dependent and being, being vulnerable, that the disciples need to pick on. That's actually the opposite of what they were doing. They need to pick up on this, right? And so I guess this is hand motion Sunday. So here's what I want you to do. Let's pretend that I had something up here, right? Let's just say it's a marble for kicks, right? Let's say I had a marble and I was going to give it to you. What position would your hand be in, right? Yeah, it would be like this, right? You'd, you'd be ready to, to, to receive it, all right? I want you to hold on to that picture of your hand, that motion of your hand, because it's going to become important in a minute. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says this, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and, and asked him, right? right? So Jesus and his disciples are interrupted by this, by this guy. Now, at this point, we don't know much about him. But what we do know is that he knows Jesus. Right? He's heard stories about him. Maybe he's seen him. And now this is his opportunity. He is coming to Jesus. Granted, he is a, he is, he is a man. He, we find out later he's rich, which you can probably tell by the way he's dressed. And I find it odd the disciples are just fine with this guy coming, right, and interrupting what they're doing. And so here, because it's normal for them, right? And Jesus is about taking our normal and getting it in line with the kingdom, right? Well, this guy's got a question for Jesus. Look at this. Um, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit life? 
And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. And so what Jesus does is he presents this guy with the Ten Commandments. Not all ten of them. Jesus focuses on the ones about his relationships. And he's asking this guy, hey, how are your relationships in relationship to the law? Right? Like that's the question. Have you been doing what God has asked everyone who follows him to do? Look at this guy's answer. And he said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. His response is check, 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 and check. Right? All the way down, I've done it. Now, what's weird is to us, man, that seems like a pretty arrogant answer, doesn't it? That Jesus says, okay, here's the commandments. How are you doing? And you go... 100%. God, not only today am I 100%, ever since I can remember I have been 100% on these. But in their culture, that wasn't an uncommon answer. In Philippians 3, chapter chapter 3, verse 6, Paul says the same thing. As he is recounting his spiritual history, he says this. He says, as to righteousness under the law. In other words, Paul's saying, like, like, according to the Ten Commandments, Paul says, blameless. I was, I was blameless under the law. And so this answer is, in many ways, a Jewish person's kind of canned response, right? It's the, their response to the how are you. Here's their quick answer. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm fine. How are, you, how are you in relation to the Ten Commandments? I am good. I've, I've kept them all, right? But what we're about to see, like Jesus doesn't always accept our canned answers, right? He doesn't always take us for face value. He thoroughly delights in taking us deeper with him, right? Jesus doesn't mind going deep with us because look at what he does in verse 21. There's something that, that I think we need to see. It says, in Jesus looking at him, loved him. And I stop here for a reason, right? Because y'all, as I talk about Jesus taking us deeper and as we talk about the gospel and as we talk about change and being challenged and, and all of this, like here's what we have to understand. When we talk about the, our normal experience, kind of the kingdom of man, getting in line with the kingdom of God, it's often guilt that gets us there. No offense, Matt. Like, great announcement. Great announcement, Right? But it is, right? Like, like, let's be for real. When we come to church and I say stuff or you're at home and God's word says stuff, it's real easy to feel guilt and let that be a motivator for change. Here's the problem. Guilt never lasts, right? Because the problem with guilt is it is appeased so easily and then creeps back up again so quickly. Jesus doesn't motivate us out of guilt. He motivates us out of love. And he is looking at this guy who just gave his canned answer. And Jesus' primary response is, man, I love this guy. I want this guy with us. Look, look, look at, 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 at this. Like, Here's what we need to know. You know. We need to know that Jesus loves us. And here's why. Because that truth that Jesus is about to drop on this guy is going to produce change. And change can hurt. Like, did you know? I remember back in biology, there is like this 
cellular level um, biological reaction that we hit called homeostasis. Anybody remember that word? And it's where when anything changes, our body naturally reacts to fight that change and keep things the same. Right? That's what homeostasis is. Same thing. Homeos, I don't even know what stasis means. Homo means same, and, and stasis means, means whatever it means. But all I know is that at a cellular level, our body fights against change. It wants everything to remain the same. Now, this is a big problem because Jesus loves to see us change. And we have ourselves fighting against it. But what helps is when we know that when Jesus sees us, He loves us. And I've often said, and and this may be radical thinking to some of you, but that Jesus doesn't love us, he likes us. Like Jesus looks at at this man and loves him and likes him, just like he did the kids, and he wants this guy to be with them. You see, here's what we need to see about Jesus before we move on. It is because Jesus loves us that he shows us truth. It is because Jesus loves you that he shows you truth. It is because Jesus loves me that he shows me truth. Right? This is who our Jesus is. And it's important for us to know because, because look at what's about to happen to this guy. Look at, look, at, look, at, look at what happens next. It says, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, it's interesting. What Jesus is asking this guy to do is to be a disciple. That come and follow me is the same thing that he said to the other disciples. Come and follow me. And, if, and if, you were, if you were a disciple watching this unfold, like, you would have questions. Remember, you're like, hmm, wait. Like, some of your questions would be, wait, so am I, was I supposed to sell everything? I don't remember. I don't remember seeing that in the contract. But, you know, like, I left the business, James and John. Peter's thinking, I got a wife at home. Like, we got to have a conversation if we're selling everything. Right? Like, 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 there are some things, like, you would be beginning to, to have these questions. You'd be like, is this a command or an expectation, or where are we on this, right? You'd be going, hmm, which is why Jesus does this. Look at verse 23. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. Right? Now, you might have even more questions now if you were a disciple. Because remember, Matthew had wealth, right? And he'd be like, oh, well, I, I mean, I had it, and now I'm here. Like, am I not? I thought I was. Maybe I'm not. Do I need to do, I need to do this? Like, like, remember, this is the hmm section. Well, here, too, is where the English language being translated from Greek doesn't do this justice, I think. And some translations pick up on this. Because when we read this passage, it's easy for us to think along the lines that rich people have a harder time getting into heaven than poor people do. That's not what Jesus is saying, right? That isn't the heart of his words. What Jesus is communicating here is something along these lines. And it's this, how difficult it is for those who hold on to wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. 
right? How difficult it is for those who hold on to wealth. Now, that doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or middle class. How difficult it is for those who hold on to enter the kingdom of God. Now, do you see the difference here? Think back to the children. What was their hand position, right? The hand position that I gave us to, to do along with kids, it was this. When I say hold on, I mean, I did it. What, what, what's, the, what's the hand position for hold on, right? It's this, right? It's, it's a tight fist, it's a, it's a clenched fist, right? You see, the disciples are to receive the kingdom of God like a child. They are to receive it. Right? Which means if your hands are like this, it's really hard to hold on to stuff. Right? Have, you, have you ever seen like a toddler pick up something that was too big for them and put a death grip on it? Right? And they can't, like, their center of gravity has got to be down here. Right? And so when they pick up something and lift it up here, they go down. Right? And they don't let go of that thing because it's theirs. Or have you ever seen a dog that found the perfect stick and it's too big for the door? Right? And they can't get that stick through the door and they just keep pounding that stick up against the door to get in. Why? Because they're holding on to it. Right? That's the image here. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says this, And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Here's the deal, y'all. Camels don't have hands. They can't hold on to anything. We're humans. We can hold on to anything. Right? But Jesus loves us. And there's hope. And there's hope. Look at verse 26. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And so how do you move from, from, from you know, holding on to, to receiving? How do you move from, from thumbs sideways to, to thumbs up, like in your spiritual life? I think it's by understanding this, that I have the choice to hold on to anything, right? I have the choice to hold on to anything. Now, for clarity, here's what I mean by hold on. When I say hold on, I mean it's the power that we give anything or anyone to bring us comfort, to bring us peace, to bring us contentment, to bring us self-worth, to bring us security, or even to bring us salvation. That's what I mean by hold on. It's when we hold on to something or someone and we are asking it or them to do what only God can do. That's hold on. Now, Jesus is talking about wealth here with this guy, right? Because let's be honest, money is really easy to hold on to when we've got it, didn't it? And when we don't, we think if we had more, life would be better. But let's step back and let's understand why this is important. Let's see what is at stake here. Right? Because we've got the children and we've got this guy. The children get to receive. Right? That's what kids do. You put food on the table, they receive it. You have candy in your pocket that you give them or in the deep, dark depths of your purse and you give that to them, they receive it. Right? 
these children who received it got to experience Jesus. They got to experience the community of Jesus' followers. They got to experience the kingdom of God. They got to be held by Jesus and blessed by him. They got to know him, know his presence, and know his people. But this guy, even though he's loved by Jesus, he walks away from all of that because of what he was holding onto. Right? And so you see, guys, the things that we hold on to, the things that we hold on to to do what only Jesus can do in our lives, they are the things that actually keep us away from the presence of Jesus. They keep us away from, from the people of Jesus. And for us, there's parts of our soul where we are still holding on to things. Even if you are a Jesus follower and you have been walking with Jesus for who knows how many years, there are parts of your soul that, that are still holding on to something that's keeping, uh, even though Jesus is, 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 is present with you and loves you, it's keeping you and him from entering that place together. That even though his love may be present, his, his, you don't get to experience his presence in those places. Now, for me, here's what that looks like sometimes. Sometimes I can hold on to unforgiveness for people, right? People that have hurt me, people that have said some crazy stuff to me. Even when I go through the process of forgiving them, it comes back to me. And I know it comes back to me because I start making up these arguments in my head, right? Particularly when I'm driving. If you ever see me driving, talking to myself, I'm either working through a sermon or working through an argument that will never happen, right? That's when I know I still have work to do. I'm still holding something to them. Like, if I win this argument, I will be more satisfied in the Lord than I can be right now. It's silly. That's what I do. What do you do? Because maybe you know what this feels like too. Like I said, it's super easy to think about money because that's what he talked about. Maybe yours though is money. Maybe you think money brings more contentment, more joy, and more happiness. Right? But remember, we can hold on to anyone. We can hold on to anything. Maybe it's your children. Right? And you think that if my kids are college graduates, good citizens in America, and attending church regularly then God will be happy with me. Then finally, this nagging sense that as a parent that I feel like a failure all the time will be resolved. Let me tell you, that's not true. Let Jesus meet you when you feel like a failure. Right? Maybe it's people-pleasing. Right? And if your best friend is happy with you, then God is happy with you. Maybe it's knowledge, right? If I know the right answers, then God will be happy with me, right? If I know the, the plan of salvation, I'm saved. This guy had the right answers. And that's not what Jesus is looking for. You see, Jesus is telling them that nothing and no one that we hold on to can save us. When we hold on to stuff, we're like that dog trying to get through the door. We're like a toddler being weighed down by whatever it is 
that we can't let go of. But y'all, with God, it is possible, right? And so is the answer that we hold on to God, we hold on to Jesus? Yeah, but I don't know that that's here in this text, right? Because I think holding is the wrong position for us. I think this is the right position for us. Because here's what's amazing, y'all. When you see this, these two stories back to back, you see the story of the children and the story of this guy. Who's doing the holding in this story? Jesus is. And for those who come to him with an open hand, he picks them up, blesses them, and lays his hands on them. This is our position. When we come to Jesus like this, he gets to do the holding. And when that happens, he meets us in those, in those deep, deep places. You see, when the disciples opened up their hands to follow Jesus, they got a whole lot more than they bargained for. Look at the rest of this. It says, And Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. He lets them know hard times are coming. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and who are in the last first. You see, church, this position of open hands is the position of the kingdom of God. When we deceive, when we receive, not deceive, whew, when we receive, right? The disciples opened up their hands and they followed Jesus. And in return, here's what they got. Y'all, this is so cool. They got a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with each other. Matthew would have never been around that crew. That crew would have never been around John, the, the, the artist. Like, like this was a hodgepodge group of men and women who followed Jesus where their only connection with each other was Jesus. And that was enough because that community became a community that changed the world. Right? Like that's the perk. Not only do we get Jesus, we get each other. I'm like, look around this room. Y'all, Jesus is the only thing a lot of us have in common. We don't see each other during the week. We got lives here. We got lives there. We got lives there. Like, like we get to be brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers to each other. Because we're like this. You see, they received community with Jesus and, re and, with, each and with each other. And they received more than what they were holding on to. So let me ask you this. Where is your spirit tight-fisted right now? Like, where is that thing that, that you're holding on to? Because let me tell you what's also at stake. It's not just about a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with each other. Notice what the disciples were doing. They were actually keeping people away from Jesus because they were holding on to something. The stuff that you're holding on to gives you thoughts and ideas about whoever it is that walks through that door. And y'all, I'm telling you right now, if anybody walks through that door, we're going to treat them like they want to meet Jesus. We are going to do everything we can to usher them in to the presence of Jesus. Because we don't get to control who walks in that door. You don't get to control who sits next to you in the office. We don't get to control what, what, what 
what kids are next to your kids at school. Well, you mean you might have a little say, but as a teacher, don't. Let me say that. As an experienced teacher, don't say a lot about the seating chart. Jesus may need your kid by that kid in the classroom, right? But what we can control is this. Are we willing to receive from Jesus? And so what I, what I want us to do is to end in just a little bit of time of prayer, right? Where we're going we're gonna to close our eyes. I'm going to ask you to think about and pray about something that you're holding on to. And we're going to start with tight fists, and then we're going to let it go. And so um, if the worship team wants to come on up, y'all can, y'all can do that. And, and um, uh, let's, let's pray. Because I think we're all holding on to something that our holding on to it is, is unhelpful in some way. And so here's what we're going to do. I want everyone to make a fist. Close your eyes. Make a fist. Make two. Right? And Jesus, I'm going to ask you to, to do what only you can do. And that is to speak clearly to each of us. Let your Holy Spirit move in and out of these rows and, and meet people in their homes or as they're driving in their car or going for a walk or wherever it is that, that they are, Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit meet us there and show us something that, that, that each of us have been holding on to that maybe we didn't even know that was the thing that we were holding on to, but bring it to our mind. And for some of you, I wonder if what you're holding on to is you. Your good behavior, your, your willingness to not do the bad things, but to do the good things so that, so that God will be happy with you. Because you think that your behavior will earn your way to heaven, earn a relationship with God. And to you, I'm going to ask you to open up your fist and turn and turn it to a place of receiving hands so that you can receive a relationship with God through Jesus. That only in Jesus is the veil between you and God lifted. It's not in your good behavior. It's not in your bad behavior. You're not bad enough to not have God's love available to you. Only in Jesus does that happen. Maybe for you, you know that. And maybe for you, you are holding on to, to the dream of a spouse, of having one one day or having the one that you think you need. And the spouse sitting next to you just continues to disappoint you and continues to, to discourage you. And you're holding on to them instead of receiving from Jesus that encouragement that support that maybe your spouse isn't giving you. Maybe, maybe you are holding on to money. A better house, a better job, a better paycheck would make you happy in life. Open up your hands and receive from Jesus. Maybe you want better kids or better parents. Open up your hands and receive from Jesus. You see, only... Jesus will bring us peace. Only Jesus will bring us hope. Only Jesus can bring us the contentment we desire. And if you haven't yet, I want you to open up your hand and feel the difference between a tightly clenched fist and an open hand.
One is stressful. The other one is free. And so church, may we open up our hands to receive from Jesus and be free. In Christ's name I pray, amen.